Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will discuss how we relate to people under this new covenant of grace. God in his infinite and perfect love relates to us in an unconditional manner. This other's first way of living is what God has poured into the hearts of all believers. At the core, we desire to treat all people with agape love and humility. But how is that possible? In a fallen world with sin and pain all around us, how does our new identity, our new covenant, and our new heart help us to treat others with unconditional love? Hopefully through today's podcast, we will help to clarify how God intended for us to share his unconditional life and love with others, no matter what circumstances we face, emotions we feel, or temptations cross our path. Romans 5.5 says this, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. With that said, I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and here we go. Joining me today is Bo Brzezina. Hey, Ross. Hey, Bo. And Tom Price. Hey, Ross. And making her first appearance, we have Tess Price. How are you? I'm great. Hi, Ross. Hi. All right. Awesome. So, obviously, we are talking about how we can relate to one another today unconditionally. So, let's start with a broad question. It's one we probably all wrestled with, but why is it so hard to relate to people unconditionally? Tom, I'll start with you. Well, as I was thinking about this, the word expectation came to my mind. And if you think of a minefield, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know where the mines are. And those expectations are like the minefield. And so when we're relating to people, we have these unspoken or spoken expectations. And when somebody steps on our expectation, mm. the mind goes off, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and in those moments, there can be relational conflict. Because we, we expect people to do something or be a certain way, and when they're not that way, we have to do something with that. Mm. Yeah, and we, if we're relating conditionally with yeah. them, then they've broken a standard that we've set mm. for the relationship. And in that law system that we talked about last week, They've broken the law, yep. and now there's got to be some kind of punishment that happens in that relationship. So maybe not God's law, but you, or our no, law, your my law. law. Yeah, my sure. law that I've set yep. for the relationship. And then there's relational shrapnel is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> relational shrapnel, got it. exactly. Yeah, I think to piggyback off of expectations of what Tom's talking about, I think about neediness. Mm. Expectations are set up to meet those needs. I expect you mm. to do this so that I feel respected or valued or strong or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of, it reminds me of Jesus's analogy of the sheep and the shepherd, you know, like he had compassion on Jerusalem, on his people, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And, yeah. you know, a sheep, they just eat whatever's in front of them, and they're not very wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they need somebody looking out for it. And that's what we all were, sheep without a shepherd before we came to Christ. Yeah. Indiscriminately trying to get some worth and respect from other people. Yeah. And it's hard to relate unconditionally when these expectations are not being met and mm. it's not filling me up and I'm not getting what I need from you. And it's just painful and yeah. frustrating And so usually what happens is I dish back my version of whatever I think will change them to get them to Hmm. 
And so that's not unconditionally, that is conditional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's what the world trains us. Matter of fact, our whole law legal system is geared around this. Mm. You meet, meet up to our expectations, we won't sue you. Mm-hmm. If you don't, we will yeah. to try to get you to change, you know. And so I just think of neediness and that, that hunger t- that drives relationships. And what the result is, is very conditional relations. Yeah. And my thoughts on this are come from a little bit different. I was, when I was thinking about this, the first thing that came to mind is trying to relate unconditionally. Well, the first thing I want to do is know where they're coming from, Mm. what their background is, what their experiences are. Yeah. And so that would hinder me maybe from pursuing and knowing how to, and that, so the expectation is within myself and not necessarily on them. Mm. So what makes it hard would be kind of your perception or your interpretation, or what's the hard part that makes it hard to then relate unconditionally to them? I think the ex- the expectation from them, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, as to, as to what it is they're looking to get from me. Sure, yeah, and that weighs on you, makes it difficult. To, yes, uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, you guys have talked about expectations and needs, you know, as we relate to people. I think if we don't understand that we have expectations, first of all. You know, a lot of people might don't even know they have expectations in a relationship. And then also that they might not know that they have needs that are that in their minds are not being met that they're putting on other people. So it's this unknown necessarily that we're entering into this relationship with these two huge unknowns that, as you said, Tom, are like minds. You know, like as soon as they go off, it's almost a surprise to both people. It's like all of a sudden I'm feeling this wave of emotion because you stepped on my expectations and you didn't meet my needs. So I'm feeling the emotional shrapnel of that. And then so are you because of my reaction. And I think that's like you guys have said, that's what makes it so difficult to relate unconditionally to people because there's so many unknowns. Yeah. And then even what Tess said, I thought was very insightful because I could have expectations myself. I don't know Mm. if I can measure up to them. So it's hard for Mm. me to relate to you in a loving way because I'm focused on me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, maybe I won't be able to deliver the whatever is needed for this relationship in a way that would be pleasing to you or whatever. And so I think that's that's challenging as well. Well, actually, your insight, Tess, got me to thinking, from my point of view, I'm thinking about people, other people, Mm -hmm. not me, other Mm -hmm. people relating conditionally. I know there's been times in my own life where, because I didn't know what the other person was thinking and feeling, Mm. and I was afraid that it was something that was bad against me. Sure. And so what it would cause me to do in that moment is to withdraw from that relationship because yeah. there was a fear that that maybe I'm not acceptable to them. Yeah. And so I withdraw. And so in my mind, I've already stepped on the mine, mm. you know, and the, and the other person may be thinking, why are they withdrawing from me? Yeah, yeah, so. that's really good. Well, so that's kind of a, in a broad sense, you know, why it's hard to relate unconditionally. And again, we're talking about relationships. So they're messy and difficult to navigate anyways. And so we, you know, we're trying to figure this out. But before the grace covenant that we're now under, there was the law covenant. And we talked last week about the law and its role, but what effect does the law have on our earthly relationships? So we're talking specifically about the biblical law. What does that, what effect does that have on our relationships? Well, the biblical law, in my in my opinion, one of the things it did is very clearly define the expectation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, love yeah. one another, right? I mean, exactly. Yeah, you know, don't murder each other. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it was very clear, yeah. and uh, the expectation was very crystallized. And then it had the, of course, the understanding that this is the way that God related. And so, you know, that puts a lot of 
it puts the maximum amount of power behind the expectation. And so it, being born into this world apart from God, we were born into that law kind of yeah. apart from God. And so that's how we pick up and start learning. Mm. And so I think that's how it shapes us. Yeah. Having grown up in the church, and I'm not throwing the church under the bus here at all, because the church are full of people who love God, who mm-hmm. want to do what's right, yeah. who want to honor God with their lives, but under this law system, yeah. if you don't understand grace under law system, you get into the habit, whether it be internally or externally, managing sin mm. for not only yourself but for other people also. Yeah. So you catch somebody in a sinful act, and you might go to them and address it directly, or you may just carry around this sense of judgment inside of you mm. uh, where I can't believe they did that. Yeah, and then maybe you start gossiping about them with somebody else instead of going to them. Right? Did you hear what so and so did? That's sinful. They shouldn't do that. Mm. And then you've got a group of people. Let's pray for them. But yeah. really, it's just a gossip session about that person's yeah. life. I was reading this morning about Jesus and his disciples out in the field on the Sabbath. Mm. They were hungry and they were picking heads of grain and rubbing it in their hands and getting the chaff off and and eating the grain. And the Pharisees catch them and they're immediately judgmental against Jesus and his disciples. I mean, Jesus, he's all, you know, he's considered these disciples rabbi. You know better. You're, what are you teaching these guys? (laughs) And Jesus says, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. Now, I don't think the Pharisees really understood what he just said to them. (laughs) But on this side, in the Grace Covenant, I see what he's saying. He's Mm. saying that our lives are much more important Mm. than a standard. The standard was there to protect, but the standard is not the life. The life is us. I think, you know, under the law system, I like the word, the standard word, is if you don't measure up to the standard of God's, however you're supposed to relate to me, then I become critical or judgmental. And it it twists into that expectation that we were talking about at the beginning, where, well, God says that you're not supposed to gossip, and you're gossiping, and you're not measuring up to that standard. And, Mm -hmm. And you did that, and it hurt me. And, you know, you're in the wrong because you didn't measure up to God's standard, right? And that kills, you know, relationships uh, because it doesn't introduce the idea of mercy or forgiveness, which grace is all wrapped up in. Yeah. Jumping off of what you said, Bo, the thing that stands out is that doing good is proof that we are good. Mm -hmm. And so when we don't do good, Mm -hmm. that law comes into play. Yeah, and and so we go around. Uh, some some of us who have uh, judgmental flesh that would be me <laughs> mm-hmm. could go around and label people good yes. or better or worse or less mm. than average or dangerous or unsafe. You know, people, and so you develop defense mechanisms because they're not yeah. measuring up to some standard. And you can slap a scripture in it. Well, they didn't they didn't forgive me, or they weren't unconditional or giving in their love towards me, or they are not patient with me. Yeah. You know, and so it's a measurement in my mind of the world system it would call it tit for tat i think mm-hmm. you know yeah. you know okay so you're this is the measurement and i'm doing my part you're not doing your part so we got to we got to do something about this yeah. right 
Yeah, it makes well, me think of like a, a comparison. Like the law makes me compare. Yeah, you know, we, there's just uh, how you're doing compare how I'm doing. Well, then I can think about well, if I'm doing better than you, then I feel I'm good. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, Tess, like it yeah. makes you think if I'm doing better than you, then I now I have this pride as opposed to oh wow, I'm doing a lot worse than you. And now it also brings shame and condemnation at the same time. And I think that's probably part of what was going on with the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. You know, they had this measurement system of good and bad, and they're trying to put Jesus down into the bad mm-hmm. <laughs> so that probably if it was me, probably so I feel better about myself Sure, yeah. as the, some of them were probably rabbis in their own way as teachers mm-hmm. of law or scribes or Pharisees, yeah. you know? And, and so I can identify with relating that way because that's the way the world has, you know, how I grew up in the world. Yeah. Well, to tie this back into forgiveness, when we talked about forgiveness, yep. a lot of folks will say, well, I am not going to forgive them until, mm-hmm. and that word until is a condition mm-hmm. that they've set mm-hmm. on on the act of forgiveness. Yep. And when you go back to Jesus hanging on the cross, mm. he didn't do anything sure. in his actions to deserve being there in the sense of keeping God's laws, kept him perfectly. Mm-hmm. He did nothing wrong. Yep. And yet here he is the, in that time, the, the ultimate payment for crime, yep. publicly humiliated, and he's disfigured, and he's hung up there naked on a cross beam. Hmm. you know, before everybody. And he says, Father, forgive them. He didn't place a condition on his forgiveness. Well, I'll forgive them if they, Mm -hmm. he forgave them. And so when you try to relate with people conditionally, then you're going to withhold forgiveness. You're going to withhold patience and love and kindness and gentleness and those kind of things. Well, probably I agree with you. But if I'm walking in the flesh, the focus usually is on them. I'm not focused on, I'm the one that's withholding. I'm thinking, oh, no, they're not measuring up to that standard, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I'm looking more outward rather than inward, you know, like, oh, I'm the one that's withholding forgiveness. And that's what I think law does is it usually focuses on others Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of ourselves, uh, what's going on inside of us. And I think the perfect picture is Jesus of the contrast between law and grace. Mm -hmm. Well, let's uh, let's take it uh, to your guys' story a little bit, because obviously we all have related to one another conditionally or under a law system. And so maybe you guys can give me uh, or us some stories uh, personally of when you guys did that and kind of just the experience you had as you related to others conditionally. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, I th- usually the most vivid stories, in my opinion, are the ones that are closest to you. In terms of these things, the expectations yeah. are higher and, mm. and the stakes are higher. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, I don't put a whole lot of expectations on the clerk at the grocery store <laughs> checkout. You know, sure. I mean, it's yeah. just, I mean, I, I try to be nice to them and they, you know, we had, we, there is some expectation that they'll treat me, you know, but it's not anything mm. like real close. So there, there's someone close in Patty, my life, my wife and I's life. And this person I've known for many years, love them, close to them. But there's been times where it just does not feel like they're putting 
they're putting their themselves and their family and they're over others, you mm, know? Yeah. That's how it, I perceive it, sure. you know? And yep. in that moment, I don't feel very loved or respected or valued or important. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I'm tempted to feel less than. Mm-hmm. And under the law, measuring goodness and badness and relative, you know, I've got some flesh. If I'm not depending on Christ, that would be critical or judgmental. Mm-hmm. I don't usually say it to the person themselves. It's usually in my mind or maybe it comes out in a, a sideways kind of comment or something yeah. like that. But under the law, this person doesn't deserve my love. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. In, it, I mean, of course, you could say under the biblical law, I'm talking about my personal law. Yeah, right? of course, yeah. Biblical law, they do deserve the love. Mm-hmm. Personal law, my personal expectations, they don't mm-hmm. because that need is... And so it, what comes out is not unconditional love. Mm-hmm. It may be tolerance, right? You know, I've learned social customs, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to go off the rails socially, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it may be, you know, sarcasm... It may be avoidance or withdrawal. Mm. It may be something like that it, that won't look or appear to be unloving. Yeah, but it's not abundant. And so, what's that experience like? You know, can you think of a time where you acted upon that? You know, where you were sarcastic or withdrew, and what was that experience like for you personally, and then also for the relationship? Well, one time I went over, I went beyond sarcasm. I went to direct confrontation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was stressful. Yeah. It was emotional. Mm. It was frustrating. I mean, it ended up resolving in a graceful way, praise God, but mm. not in the moment, mm. right? Yeah. It, it ended up in, in that moment, there were words, you know, mm-hmm. there was not the peace of Christ. There was defensiveness. Yeah. There was rationalizations. There was things of that nature, and mm. so it was conflict. You know, most of the time I just I have, I have a flesh pattern, if I'm not depending on Christ, where I would just withdraw. Just yeah. like, let them be, I'll stay away, you know. Mm-hmm. Stay out of the wake, so to speak, and chart my own So avoidance. Yeah. Bo was sharing about directing towards someone else, you know. And here again, mine, I have an example years ago from... And this is more the law of an expectation on myself. Sure, yeah. You know, and having been in ministry and being a minister's wives, there's this set of expectations as to what that's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. We put those on ourselves a lot, or we feel that someone else has placed those on us. And there was a specific situation that happened when we had two small children. They were sick. Hmm. Um, Tom was still in school and he traveled 30 miles away. We were living on the field and the kids were sick. Hmm. Both girls, I'd had a week of rocking and just struggling to survive and get through it. And this precious lady came to the door. I don't remember why she came, but I knew that my dishes were piled high in the kitchen. There was laundry all over the couch and that expectation that, you know, cleanliness is the next close to to godliness, and I wasn't looking very godly. Mm. And so I remember going to the door, and this is a precious, precious lady, love her dearly, Mm. and I cracked the door open just far enough for her to see my face. Mm. And she spoke to me, and I don't remember if she was bringing something or what, but after a few months, I didn't invite her in. Mm. I was so less than... Mm. And she says, oh, that's okay, that's okay. 
you don't have to let me in. I'm just, it's okay. And, and she ran off and I was just devastated. Yeah. Now God's grace is that we mended that, you know, I went back to her, but in that moment, yeah. that law of an expectation that I had to be. So what was internally the experience? I know you said it was, de- you know, it was d- difficult and that kind of stuff, but what was the emotional turmoil you were in? Can you describe that, explain that a little bit? Just being under <laughs> that law, what did that produce inside you? Oh, I just felt like such a, a failure, and um, I wasn't spiritually enough, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a minister's wife, you're supposed to have it all together, and I didn't have it all together. Mm. Couldn't tackle it, yeah. you know, so. We have three kids, two daughters, a son, and they're all close together in age. And even though I was raised in a home where grace was practiced, in our relationships, the concept theologically wasn't necessarily taught to us. It was just lived out. And if I had to trade between being taught grace and living grace, I'll take living grace any day of the week Hmm. because that makes a huge difference. And so even though I was raised under a more graceful system, because of these laws that I would put on myself, I tended to also put them on my kids. Mm. And I think that when they misbehaved or didn't do something that I expected, yes, it would. I would get frustrated, angry. Mm-hmm. I would maybe uh, say something to them, lecture them. That was my big thing was lecturing. Mm. I remember my oldest daughter, she's an older teenager, and I start sharing something with her. I'm not even... This is like a teaching moment. <laughs> they're, they're not in trouble for anything. Yeah. And she looks at me, and she rolls her eyes. She goes, lecture. <laughs> but that was my default with them was to lecture them. Mm. You know, you shouldn't have done that, you know, kind mm. of thing. And, and that word should, that's a great law word. Yeah. Instead of recognizing that these, these youngins, they're trying to grow up. They're trying to learn how to become adults. Mm-hmm. And half of us as adults, well, I'm being generous, mm-hmm. still are trying to figure that out, you yes. know? Very generous. Uh, <clears throat> so in those relationships, I think that I came down the hardest on them. And there's so many things that I wish I could take back, mm-hmm. you know, get in a time machine and redo that. Things that I've said, things that I've done that I think have hurt that those relationships. But mm-hmm. again, this is where God's grace comes back in and he heals those relationships. And I have a great relationship with my kids, and I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that. But it's not because of me. It's because of the grace of God that they're embracing, that I'm embracing, and we experience the forgiveness, we move on. Yeah. Well, I think because when we're born, we are born under the law system. We haven't entered grace until we accept Christ into our lives, and we learn how to relate to people under that system. And so, yeah, I think when it's at home with parents or when you're a kid or anything like that, that's kind of what your your expectation becomes is the law system. You know, we've talked about expectations, but we expect people to treat us that way. And, you know, I can imagine in all three of your stories, as you've kind of described, is the wake, as you said, Bo, of what relating to people that way does. You know, and it says in, you know, in Scripture that the law is a, a ministry of condemnation and death. And, you know, we don't think about the law necessarily that way all the time, but uh, what it does is it condemns us and others in our relationships and it kills relationships. Yeah. And I think there's a a weight and a difficulty that comes with that. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, if you're not living out of Christ's life, you're putting these expectations. It's just going to be a toxic environment that causes 
relational death, even though we have the life of Christ in us, mm-hmm. we're not experiencing or living out of that. Yeah. And so let's uh, shift a little bit now because we have talked about how we are under a grace system now. So how does that change how we're able to relate to others? So we've touched on it a little bit, but what, what directly has changed because we have been transferred into a new covenant? Well, like what Hebrews 8 talks about, it's a better covenant, right? Yeah. And yeah. the change is the indwelling life of Christ, mm. Mr. Grace himself, so to speak, living within us, the power the desire, the abundance of, uh, you mentioned in the introduction, the love of God has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the difference is, is under the law, we have the external standard. Now we have the power of Christ living in us to, to love mm. abundantly or supernaturally that beyond my resources, beyond yeah. the natural. Yeah. And I think that's what's changed. Mm. As Bo said, that that power of Christ living in me, it's his living presence. And how did Jesus relate to those people around him? Well, as I'm operating out of his life in me, what it animates in me or causes in me is to look at other people through his eyes mm-hmm. and to see what he sees. Look beyond the behavior, look beyond the moment yeah. When maybe there is an expectation that's unmet or a need that's going unmet in my life. Look beyond that and see what he sees and see the the heart of the other person. Mm-hmm. To see the in some ways the purity of their desires if they too are in Christ. And say, Oh, I can I see you. I see the real you there. Now we can talk about the expectation or the infraction that happened in a graceful manner without condemning, judging in those moments? I think with law, you know, there's always that aspect of control. Mm. It's up to us or to them, you know, to control the environment. And under grace, we have such freedom. Mm. You know, it's for freedom that he came Mm -hmm. to set us free. And we don't have to return to that bondage, that slavery of law. And so for me... In relationship, there's just there's the freedom, as like Tom mentioned, to see that other person through his eyes, to experience his life and who I am mm. as well, the grace that's bestowed upon me that empowers me to experience grace in that relationship and love unconditionally. Yeah. Over the years, Tess and I have had relationships with folks that other people would say are difficult to love. Why are you looking at me when you say that? I was trying to raise the expectation. <laughs> I was trying not to name any names. <laughs> and we've done it with delight mm. because we look into that person and we see the value that they have. And yes, some of their idiosyncrasies can get irritating or whatever, but 
I mean, I look at myself and I go, I, I better have a lot of those too. I'm, I may be one of those difficult people that other people, I don't know how you love me. <laughs> um, so I remember one time my, my dad said to me, it amazes me how you and Tess love unlovable people. Hmm. And I knew immediately, well, it's not a skill that I possess. It's because I contain love himself. Hmm. And I can't help but sure. love people yeah. just right where they're at. Yeah. This morning I was listening uh, to the passage in Matthew where Jesus was teaching the disciples you know, this audio Bible, mm, right? Nice, yes. Yeah, on the way to work. And this was where he was teaching the parable of the sower. And they come to him afterwards and say, what does that mean, basically? Mm. And, of course, Jesus perfectly always tapped into the Father. He never sinned. But... If we lived under the world system, I would be tempted as the rabbi to say, man, why are y'all not getting this? You know, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I'm effective, you know, as a teacher, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, or, or whatever. And Jesus, of course, would never do that because he always tapped into the Father's power and resources. He wasn't finding his life in his disciples. He yeah. was finding his life in, in his Father. And so Jesus responds with patience, you know, forbearance is what Ephesians 4 talks about, gentleness, Mm -hmm. you know. He speaks truthfully and directly with them, right? But he models what the Apostle Paul would later write about because he was tapped in Mm -hmm. to his life source. His expectation wasn't on his disciples to get it so he would be this great rabbi, you know, or whatever, you know. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect example of grace relating so a couple questions come to mind as you guys are talking about the contrast between the law system or law covenant and grace covenant. Tom, you said how you have loves living inside you, and so you can't help but to love unlovable or difficult to love people. And we also talked earlier about how we we all have expectations, whether we know them or not, when we go into relationships. So how do we tangibly not have expectations in relationships under the grace system, or does the grace system take away the expectations? Because not everybody feels the way you do, Tom, or, <laughs> you know, in terms of loving unlovable people. I know I haven't in times where I'm just like, that person is annoying to me. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be loving towards them. I don't feel like it in that moment. So how does the grace system handle both of those things? Well, in those moments... I don't think you lose your expectations. Okay. They're still there. Yeah. But you set them aside. You don't live by them. One of my favorite scriptures I've quoted in the podcast is Galatians 5.16. If we walk by the Spirit, Mm -hmm. we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Well, to me, the desires of the flesh are (laughs) some of those expectations that we have for our relationships. Mm. And if I'm walking by the Spirit, if I'm listening to the living Holy God inside of me in those moments, then I'm not listening to my fleshly desires that places the expectations on those relationships. I don't know if that answers the question, but it's actively listening in that moment because there's not just me and that other person that, as you said, the unlovable person, Mm -hmm. but it's me and God and the other person in that relationship. Yeah, so do you make like a uh, conscious choice going into that, or when you're confronted with it, is it something you have to wrestle with? Or how does that, again, tangibly, how does that process happen for you? Obviously, it won't be the same for everybody. But again, some you might be sprung by someone who's unlovable. <laughs> you know, like they might just show up in your life, and or you might know that you're going to encounter someone who's unlovable. 
how do you prepare or how do you respond in that moment out of the spirit? Well, I surrender my my rights, mm-hmm. okay, my human rights to be comfortable. Because yeah. whenever you're around people like that, there is a certain discomfort level. Sure. And that's what I think a lot of us subconsciously are responding to. Oh, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to avoid being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I surrender my right to be comfortable. And God always surprises me, you know, when I surrender yeah. that right and step out there and experience the relationship, and and he's like, "See, I, I wanted you to be here for this moment. Mm. You got to speak life into this person." Yeah, you know, and I think also as I'm thinking about uh, y'all, uh, as I listen to y'all talking, as I think about relating gracefully, it doesn't mean that you that you surrender all expectations. For instance, sin is sin. We don't grace doesn't wink at sin. Mm. You know, yeah, you yeah. know, and so we don't. Oh, that person can sin against me, and it's fine because I've surrendered my expectations. There's different kind of expectations. So, for instance, I'll give you an example. My kids have chores. I have an expectation the chore gets done when I want it to get done. <laughs> yeah. But in some cases, it's not really a sin for them to do it at a different time. You know, mm. that's a preference kind of sure. like, you know. Now, I would love to be in control and be like, well, this dishes need to be emptied at this time because this inconveniences me if they're not. But there's room there for us to kind of surrender that expectation for to work with their schedule because they have other things that they have to do to understand. I don't... Versus all-out rebellion and complete disrespect with hatred in their heart towards me, which they don't do. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, sure, yeah. you know, I'm being over the top here. Yeah. And so when we approach people in situations and we're looking, we realize that in order to show unconditional love, there's going to be sin sometimes. And that's we're going to have to recognize that. We don't wink at that, but the God's answer to that, Ephesians 4.32, it talks about being gentle, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, right? Mm. And how do we get to that point? Well, you know, this is the Spirit of God has to show us how to what aspect is needs to be forgiven because it was a sin mm. versus which aspect needs to be surrendered because it simply was a man-made expectation that I invented yeah. to feel more respect. I don't know if that Yeah, helps. absolutely. You know, I'm listening to what you're saying, Bo, and and I keep thinking about loving someone and sometimes grace and, you know, showing love means speaking truth in love. And that's not always, as Tom said, comfortable. Mm. But I know in, in our relationships with some of these people that have their little quirks and idiosyncrasies and, and just are a little bit different, mm. that's been necessary. Sure. And that's, you know, those kind of things can just be messy. But, but speaking truth in love is also an aspect mm. of being unconditional, yeah. knowing when, listening to the yeah. Spirit, knowing when to speak those things. Yeah. Um, at the appropriate times. And that's why it's so important, I think, that we're tapped into listening to the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. we already talked in one of mm-hmm. our earlier podcasts about mm-hmm. listening to the Spirit, because the Spirit of God, the life-giving uh, life of Christ, the Spirit of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit, is the one that's going to help us navigate speaking the truth and love, surrendering expectations, mm-hmm. forgiving yeah. others, which are all aspects of relating unconditionally that are messy yeah. and hard and confusing 
and require us to depend on and wait on and listen to mm-hmm. him. Yeah, it makes me think that it's actually impossible to relate to someone unconditionally without listening to the Spirit first, <laughs> right? It's, otherwise, it's just guesswork or the flesh, and that really ties into almost every podcast that we've had. Every episode talks about, in some way or another, dependence upon the Spirit, dependence upon Christ living in us to live through us. I mean, I've, I've, that theme has gone through yeah. the entire thing, and it can really come back to that in almost any situation. But in a lot of ways, that that can answer theologically, again, how do we relate to people unconditionally? Well, we have to first depend on God, listen to Him, and then allow Him to work through us in those moments. Mm-hmm. That's the name of the podcast, Living in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so let's personalize a little bit, just like we did under the law system, but how have you guys experienced in a specific way relating to someone under this grace system? Maybe they didn't deserve it, or maybe you know they didn't deserve to be treated with love and kindness in that moment, but you did anyway. So yeah, tell us some stories. Tom, I'll start with you. Well, I told you I had three kids, and our youngest child, and, and he had, doesn't have a problem with me sharing this. If he were sitting here in the podcast, he'd be sharing it himself. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he is a trophy of God's grace. Hmm. Well, he hit 16 years old, and he began to struggle with, with some drug use, hmm. and that morphed into something more heavy, and he got into that lifestyle. And I think that his, I don't know that, drug was his addiction. I think it was more of an addiction to acceptance, and that's where he found the acceptance in that moment in his Mm -hmm. life. And that's what drew him into that lifestyle. Well, Tess and I, we're his parents. Obviously, we didn't raise him to use drugs to get acceptance. Yeah. And so our first efforts in trying to curtail this, trying to head it off at the pass, was probably more of a legalistic approach Mm. in saying, no, you're not going to do this. You're going to do this, and we're going to help manage your behavior. It didn't work. He found ways around it, and it just got worse. And in the middle of this crisis, God very clearly spoke to both of us that, hey, I've got this. Mm. I know you feel like you're out of control, but I'm not. Mm. And yes, your son's life Seems like it's out of control, but I've still got this. I will do a deep work in him. All I need for you to do is to love him right where he's at. You're not approving his sin. You're not winking at it, as Bo said. You're loving him right where he's at. And so as we began to practice that, and um, because we're figuring out what this looks like. This is new. We didn't didn't take a class before we became parents, and if your son (laughs) goes through this, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. We're listening to the voice of grace through this whole thing. And one of the things that we caught ourselves doing a lot with him is we'd say, son, remember who you are. And he knew what we meant by that. He knew we weren't saying, remember that you're Tom and Tess's son. Remember that your dad is a full-time minister (laughs) at a large church. You know, don't bring shame to the family. You know, it wasn't that message. It was, son, remember 
who you are, who God made you to be, mm-hmm. what's inside of you. Don't forget that. Because his actions was saying that he did forget that. Mm-hmm. Three to four years into this, he calls me and he says, Dad, I don't want to do drugs anymore. And something in the tone of his voice, I knew that he was not blowing smoke. He was mm-hmm. he, he was being honest with me. Yeah. But he had he had lied so much because that's one of the things when you get into that lifestyle, lying is just you know a part of the package. Yeah. And he thought that I thought that he was lying and I was just being nice. But hmm. I believed him. Well, he came home and he, through his actions, he began to show us that he meant what he said. Hmm. And so, fast forward six months into this road of recovery he has a moment where he kind of falls off the wagon Mm -hmm. and he immediately comes to me and confesses. He was so broken. He was, uh, he was broken. Mm. He comes to me and confesses. I said, well, let me get this straight. I said, back in November, when you called me and said, you didn't want this lifestyle anymore. I said, did you mean that? He said, yeah, I did. I said, well, how do you feel about it now? Is that what you still want? He said, yeah, I do. That's exactly what I want. I said, then what's the problem? He just looks at me like, I don't know if I understand that question. (laughs) (laughs) I said, so so you mean to tell me that six months later, this is the first time you've messed up? Hmm. He goes, "Uh, yeah. And I held my hand out and said, high five, dude. (laughs) I said, you know, this is a journey. You don't make a big decision like this and just do it perfectly. I said, You're going to fall down. I said, but when you fall down, just get back up and keep running the race. Mm. Listen to that desire that's inside of you because that's what's going to drive you more and more into this sober way of living. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not going to be a rule or a law that says, I must not ever do drugs again. Mm. It's going to be the desire that this is who I I am and who I want to be. And even in that moment as I'm saying this to him, I'm listening to myself going, where is this coming from? (laughs) (laughs) Because I wanted to be disappointed. Oh, I can't believe you messed up again. But that's not what the Spirit of God in me was saying in that moment. Mm. And so I was speaking what I was hearing. Mm. And I could, in that moment, relate to Jesus' words. I do what I see my Father doing. You know, I was doing what my Father was doing. And that is living in grace and relating unconditionally to the people around us. Yeah, it's amazing. It's always looking at who they are and who God says they are and not letting the behavior be proof or take it as proof of, exactly, of who they are. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful. You make my eyes balls a little wet. Your eyes leaking. Allergies. Oh, okay, allergies, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that reminded me of Jesus and Peter. That's the the life of Christ coming in you. Peter, after he betrayed Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. That. Yeah, uh, for me, you know, relating unconditionally is you know I don't always feel it. You know, I don't feel it. If you know what I mean, I yeah. don't feel compassion. I don't feel love. It's not all warm and fuzzy. And sometimes it. If I'm walking on my feelings, I'll, I'll go down the path of the flesh, and then it won't be unconditional. It'll mm-hmm. be conditional. But not too long ago, I was interacting with someone, and this person, I've never really felt like they value me deeply. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're in a relationship. Sure. Uh, we've been in a relationship for years and years and years. 
And yet this person's going through some struggles and, and hardship and where was relating that to me. And this was one moment where I did feel it. I, I felt the compassion of Christ in me, mm. which was nice. It, the compassion of Christ is in me, whether I feel it or not. Yeah. But it's nice when you feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice when you, where I literally in that moment, and I mean, I wasn't expecting this, was able to listen. And that's really all I did in this particular incidence to listen to their pain. Mm to listen to how their struggle and to listen to what they were trying to do to overcome this and simply express love through listening. Mm. And uh, that is not always what would happen with this person. A lot of times if I'm in the flesh, it would be I'm listening because I know the social graces, you know, I know how to express compassion, but it's not birthed of the spirit's compassion It's Mm. birthed out of this is the social requirement you know, for the situation. Yeah. And if I don't, if I want to win friends and influence people, I think is the phrase, mm-hmm. right? From the famous, then I've got to do this, you know, sure. and that's not birth. That's a conditional mm-hmm. relationship, even though from the, the other person's perspective, it might look roughly similar. Sure. But yesterday um, is when this particular hap- thing happened and, and it was a blessing to experience that feeling. But even mm-hmm. if I had not felt it, I could still show compassion mm. if I believe who I am, what Tom is, which yeah. I'm a compassionate person. Yeah. You know, Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about being tender-hearted, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a tender heart because the new heart of Christ is in me. And if I'm believing that, I may not feel it. And the world would say, well, that's phony, that's hypocritical. If you don't feel it, then it's not real, it's not authentic. But no, what Christ says about me is what is authentic. Mm-hmm. And the authentic thing Christ has said about me is that I have this new heart. Yeah. So yesterday when this was happening, it felt it was nice to feel feel the warm fuzzies of yeah. compassion and that lined up with what the scripture said I should be doing. But it's also good to remember that even if my emotions don't feel it, I could still authentically be tenderhearted mm. and express the love of God in an unconditional way. Now yeah. I'm still growing in this. Mm-hmm. I'll report back to you in about five or ten years, <laughs> 15, 20, yeah. see how this goes. I know it'll go good because Christ says in Philippians through Paul, he says, I'm going to complete the work I started. Mm. And that happens out of the blue. These moments of relating unconditional, sometimes you can see them coming, but a lot of times they're out of the blue. Mm. Like I was not seeing that conversation coming. I did not know that I would be called upon to relate that way. And God's presence is with me. And this is where I think it's helpful to meditate on what God has said he has done in us, knowing who we are Yeah, in great. Christ. It's great. I'm so, well, I was really in <laughs> on the thing that Tom was yeah, sharing about yeah. our son. That That's probably one of our big ones. I'll, I'll never forget bringing it back around after he had gone through all of this. We're driving down the road one day, and he's sitting in the passenger seat, and he looked at me, and he said, Mom how did you get through that? Hmm. You know, how did you do that? And I said, well, I had to rely on the, on the spirit, but, but I knew who you were. Hmm. I knew your heart and God reminded me of that. Hmm. And I figured if he could straighten me out, he could take care of you. So (laughs) that's awesome. All right. So we've contrasted the two systems and how we can, relate now unconditionally because of the grace system. But how, one last question, and tie this up here before we end, but how do we do it consistently? And I know we've kind of touched on that and kind of answered that in some ways, but just really clearly, how do we do this consistently? Because I know everybody's heart, every believer's heart, 
is to relate to others unconditionally, like I said in the introduction. But how do we do it consistently? Well, the short answer is by God's grace. <laughs> because in order to display grace in our relationships, we have to receive it for ourselves first. Yeah. If we're not receiving it, if we're not living in His grace, I love Romans 5 where Paul talks about this grace in which we stand. And I have this visual of being out in the vast ocean and the water is God's grace, and I'm surrounded by it. Mm. And I can't drown in it. I mean, I can fall into it, and I'm still safe. Yeah, You know, it's the safest place to be. And so... So maybe a giant pillow instead of the ocean? Uh, yeah, whatever visual works for you. Whatever visual works for you. <laughs> a, cloud, a cloud. A cloud, there you go. Are, are we getting off track? Pool. Okay. <laughs> but we have to receive that grace for ourselves and realize, yes... I have been made perfect in Christ. But in this humanity that I live in this fallen world, I still experience the fallenness of, of the humanity, of the system around me. And I need, need, I'll stress that word, I need God's grace to experience His life in the middle of this fallen system. Yeah. And that's where my relationships are at. They're in this system yeah. right now, yeah. here and now. And God's grace supersedes that. When I'm walking and living in His grace, then I'm able to experience that grace in my relationships with other folks. Well, I just I just realized that I can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's not, I can't, in myself, in my own strength, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I just have to surrender because... Like you said, Bo, I don't always feel like it. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it's not always easy. So just surrendering and saying, okay, Lord, I can't do this. <laughs> you, you've got to do this mm. because I'm, in, in me, it, it won't happen. Yeah. But you can. you can. You are my power. You are my strength. Mark 12 is what comes to mind as I think of what you're saying here. Mm. If I'm not loving others consistently, unconditionally. Maybe the question is, is am I loving myself consistently? Mm. And before I can love myself unconditionally, am I receiving or have I received or do I know or do I believe that God has loved me unconditionally? Mm. Which gets us back to the great exchange, you know, yep. session that we talked so long ago yep. about. Do I really believe that what he said he did to me has made me lovable? And if I do then I could let go of my strength, like what Tess was talking about. I could surrender mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm resting in the ocean of what Tom is talking about. And I could actually love myself. See, you know, as I think about some of these stories of where I'm not loving people unconditionally, mm -hmm. <laughs> double negative, mm -hmm. is it's because I'm not resting in God's love for me. I'm trying to get that love out of them or mm -hmm. this relationship or myself, how I'm viewed in that. Yeah. And so the other thought that comes is the proverb of love. I can't uh, give you the exact verse, but it says the path of the righteous is like the coming of the dawn. Mm -hmm. It grows brighter and brighter into the fullness of day. And so there is a trap for me, for someone like me who's lived under the performance system of Christianity to measure how well I'm doing loving other people unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And how, how can I do this consistently? And if I'm not, then I'm... 
I'm uh, a failure, you mm. know, and then I'm living in the law system, yeah. trying to live in the grace system, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so realizing what Paul says in Philippians, that it is Christ who's at work in me, it's for his good pleasure, allows me to relax and say, okay, God, I'm going to enjoy you working in me. Your light has shown in my heart. How do you want me to grow in that today? Hmm. If that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. It's a path of rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Okay, God, you're going to show me where I need to grow hmm. in loving others unconditionally. I don't even know what's going to happen today. There's going to be probably five or 10 unconditional loving moments today, probably. Yeah. And I'm just going to relax into understanding and knowing that your love has been poured in my heart. I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to love myself with the love that you've and then you're going to show me how to show that. Mm. And I'm going to grow. I'm going to skin my knee, you know. I'm going to, in other words, to fall down. Yep. I, I might walk in the flesh. Yep. But because you're at work in me, you're going to remind me. And uh, your grace is going to be sufficient for that moment, showing me where to surrender. And, you know, that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah. You know, Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. But I love what Paul says in Philippians, he says, I can do all things through Christ mm. who gives me strength. Yeah. You know, two verses that go hand in hand with each other. Mm. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, I know that uh, we've covered a lot of things today and covered expectations and law and grace and how we can relate to each other unconditionally. So hopefully you all listening uh, were encouraged and hopefully came away with the truth that you have Christ living in you, and it's just the dependence upon him that helps us to relate unconditionally to others. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tess. And we'll You're see welcome. you next week for episode 22. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will discuss how to share and equip others in the good news and grace of God. Join us as we explore how dependence and grace lead the way in sharing the hope that's within us. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brezina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children in how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all our free content is made available because of the generosity of people just like you from around the world. Until next week, thank you and God bless. God bless.